0: Hello and welcome back again to another Wild Wisdom Wellbeing guest slot. And today, to mark uh, May being Maternal Mental Health Month, I have with me the wonderful Emma Roman-Priest. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, Emma, (laughs) uh, who is a lactation, a board-certified lactation consultant. And never having had children myself, I kind of didn't even know that that role existed until I met Emma through a networking meeting. And this was going a few years back now, pre-lockdown. But I was so fascinated by what you shared. And then just, I think it was the beginning of this month, somebody posted uh, an image on Facebook of a lanyard that I think it was a midwife for something had which had a little red ball showing the size of a newborn baby's stomach and then a bottle of formula which was so much bigger but that was the first feed that mums are sometimes encouraged to give to their babies and then we wonder why children can be colicky and so on and I had such a response to that post that I then shared that I thought this is an issue that is Very sensitive for an awful lot of people and that maybe people don't know what to do for the best, who better then to give us some uh, information, some guidance, some support than a lactation consultant and that's really why I've invited Emma to join me today. So hi Emma, could you start just by telling us a little bit about yourself and about what led you to become a lactation consultant?
1: Well I think I have a real love for anything natural but also um, nutrition, health, well-being and that that has been my whole ethos my whole life and I think some of my influences come from my family, my parents and their interest in those things as well but along the journey I have um, sort of found infant feeding really really interesting because of having my own child i think that's what sparked off my interest in particular at first because i went along to a master class who was the specialist midwife at the time so this is a long time ago my son is nearly 17 so they must have been in a role similar to me but in 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 those days we you didn't really see those sort of roles about i don't think it wasn't something that was everywhere um and now i i work um in the nhs as 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 well as privately of course so i get to meet you know other lactation consultants now as well which is really really exciting because then we get to share ideas and new research and all sorts of things it's really nice to have that support network you know because you're quite a lone worker you know you're working one-on-one with a family so it's nice to have that sort of support network as well but yeah, it all tracks back to there, I think, really, as of having my own son, going to a masterclass for breastfeeding at the time and realising the miracle of the milk, realising the, um, the unique health benefits from that, that you cannot get anywhere else. You cannot emulate that with formula milks. So, of course, they are needed. Of course, you know, there is, there is choices. There is everything there which should be there. But it is a magical thing that, a lot of people think of it as being similar to blood because it is a living fluid with living cells in there so it adapts and changes to that baby's journey, that, 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 that particular need that is needed at that time and stage of their life. But it's also protective for mums as well. So I think it tracks back to that and me wanting to do, you know, get all the information that I needed for trying to get that off to a good start for myself, you know, my baby. And then as I went forward I realised that there wasn't that much support out there you know as in as in specialists and things at that time and my other interest was nursing so at the time I was a nurse for a nurse working with children and I had always planned to go and do my nursing degree which is what I did then when my son was quite young just before going to school I did that when he was asleep mostly when he was doing his little naps and things Um, I was sort of beavering away to get my nursing degree and within that then I was still finding this interest I had in nutrition really and health and well-being um you know and it was a way of me doing that with with community with people in the community so working in the hospital yes I really enjoyed it it lived up to my expectations that I really enjoyed that work but I really really do love being out with real people in their real homes so I think um I think that's what led me to it, and finding that actually, even though breastfeeding might be seen as being natural, it's not always easy, and um, <laughs> it's um, it can be quite a challenge. And to get that um, information firsthand from somebody who's experienced and knowledgeable with that latest research, I think is really really important. And I do work a lot with um, local breastfeeding groups as well. You know, they are are brilliant, brilliant people to be working with. So it's knowing who's out there to support you is really important, I think. yeah.
0: And I think that you touched on a really important point earlier about it is a very natural process yeah. when it works well, though there are yeah. some instances, obviously, where for whatever reason, it doesn't. So there are yeah. other options, and I, I don't want yeah. anybody out there who might be watching yeah. to feel that there is a problem and that there's something wrong if
1: no. they and
0: their baby just Absolutely. don't seem to be gelling with this process. It's not a blame on anybody for taking a different route for whatever reason. But I'm like you. I love to explore what the body is is in its optimum set up to do. And yeah. I love that you touched on the fact that it's a reciprocal process. It's not just mum feeding baby, but yeah. that there are living cells in the milk that mum adjusts and baby adjust as you go through the process, because obviously there are different mixes or uh, makeups of the milk at different stages as the baby's needs change as as they're growing and developing and so maybe you could talk a little bit about more about that and how the milk responds to baby and mum's production changes
1: i think i think what i'd like to start with with that is how how you how you feel makes a difference so your state of mind your relaxation mm. makes a difference. And I know a lot of people may say, you know, all oh, that's a bit like, you know, mindfulness and all that stuff, which I actually enjoy, but you know, and that it, you know, how much impact can that have? Well, actually it has huge because your, your mental well being affects your physical hormones. Cause your hormones are, are what, you know, it's all intertwined. It's all holistic. You can't separate it. So, in turn those hormones work on milk production and they work on your milk letdown which is the milk ejection how the milk gets out so the optimum way of helping that to work is actually having mum and baby together all the time you know so supporting that mum to be with that baby all the time allowing her to take breaks when she needs to you know because you do need to go to the toilet you do need to go and and you know do self-care things as well so you do need that support around you and that's where it's really important that people understand that they don't have to feed with a bottle to do that there are lots of ways that you can actually bond with baby um, when you're not the mum you know and you can support them you know in those other ways so you can bond with baby you don't have to sort of give give a bottle in that way and i think the other important thing is that it is everybody's choice and they should be having an informed choice, they should be given the information to make an informed choice. And that again is my whole ethos that I am here to support people on their own journey. I'm not here to make their decisions. I'm here to give them all the information they need to make their own decision and I will support them whatever those decisions are. So I know that some people may think, you know, yes, I specialize in breastfeeding, but actually I'm supporting an infant feeding. So, you know, people may think, oh, if I can't breastfeed or I don't want to breastfeed, I have to bottle feed. Yes, but you can also mixed feed. So some people don't realize they can do both as well. And that's really important to know that. And it's really important to know that, you know, no one is judging. You know, everybody should be making their own decisions that is right for them. And then that actually helps your well-being when you're doing what's right for you. And i think your instincts will tell you what is right for you and it's really important for any practitioner to be able to help you draw that out because your instincts will tell you what you need to do for yourself personally but those physical um, reactions that happen in your body from hormones are affected by how you feel so if you're feeling happy and you're feeling relaxed with your baby your milk production is going to be a lot easier um, than if you are really, really stressed. Stress actually, um, of course, makes the stress hormone cortisol, which actually um, works against milk production. So it can be blocking that milk production. So I've supported mums sometimes where they've said to me, I can't express milk, for example, because they want to increase their supply. And they say, well, I can't express milk because the more milk you move, the more milk your body will tell you to make as well. That's another another route of making more milk. But some mums will say to me, I can't express enough milk and I say to them actually the baby will be the best one for getting the milk off rather than expression so not to worry about their hand expression, not to worry too much about that but actually to relax, get into a relaxed state of mind with that and not to worry about the volumes because the volumes don't have to be huge um, because we expect these big volumes you know to come out." And actually it might not be big volumes but also that is not necessarily reflecting how much milk your baby is getting from you, how much you're actually expressing off and when I support mums with that and families with that what I often find is they come back to me and say that they're expressing more milk and that's just because they've relaxed about it so it is amazing um, the emotional um, impact um, there is on the physical body and then of course milk milk production and, and milk let down it and you know in ejection so yeah absolutely
0: and it's so true in any area of our life so why would it be any different that if you relax it impacts on every area of your being every cell in your body and like you say that people don't we don't fully appreciate how much of an impact it has and how interconnected everything is and that when we relax everything just comes into better flow so why wouldn't milk come into better flow as well and I'm sure that the makeup and if you think of when we're stressed it's quite an acidic way to be and we can have acidic responses within our bodies so that was, will probably be Coming into the milk as well, I expect it tastes different for baby if yeah, mum yeah. is stressed.
1: I mean, the the sort of the, the taste of milk, I suppose, um, it, it can be related to what you eat as well. So when baby mm-hmm. was in zero, they will have got the tastes of what food you'll be eating. So that influences future um, preferences as well, you know, for taste, what they've been exposed to. also that comes through in the milk as well so you know you've got all that um, holistic stuff going on really because milk also is not just about food and nutrition but it's also about um, that sort of emotional connection so some mums that that in rare cases cannot physically breastfeed because they physically haven't got the milk supply it is quite rare but but I, I have supported mums with with that Um, I've had then doctors and and people saying oh so you know you need you need to bottle feed physical reason okay physical reason as in you don't you're not producing sufficient milk or not any milk at all and I'll say and then the mum will say to me but I want to put them to the breast and I'll say to them well yes you don't have to actually stop breastfeeding and putting your baby to the breast even if you've got no milk Um, it's about that relationship building as well because again those hormones are working with mum and baby together skin to skin it boosts oxytocin and oxytocin is that lovely feel-good um, hormone which of course if you've got the good feel-good hormones going on you're making your body um, healthier in a way as well you know it's being it's it, it, it's at its optimum you know of being um, uh, you know, strong for immunity and things like that, you're helping it really to to work at its optimum, not only for emotional health, but but physical. And that baby is feeling secure because the baby is close to their mum. And in utero, they would have been inside mum, cuddled up, feeling cuddled up with mum. And then they're in this big world, they want to to mum, and that's where babies will, of course, you know, call for mum and want mum to be with them all the time when they're young.
0: And I've been listening to some Gabor Mate um, podcast webinars, I guess, and he talks about hunter-gatherer societies and how they were in rearing their children. And like you were saying about mm-hmm. having baby with mum for the bulk of the time, obviously, there are things that mum needs to do and she needs yes. her time from time to time. But yes. even in that, in those sorts of societies, the women are around they're supporting each other, family members, extended family members that we don't necessarily have now. For example, my mum lives in Ireland. I live in Wales. And so we don't always have the female members of our family around us to give us that support. And sometimes people have to go back to work or whatever their situation might be just doesn't lend itself to having baby there almost 24-7. So. I love that you said it's about making an informed choice. You have to look at what your life, how your situation is, what you want, what your body's asking for you to do, and then to work out as best you can what is right for you and for your baby. And also, if that doesn't seem to be working quite how you'd thought, you can change it. And I think sometimes we feel, particularly when we're dealing with professionals, that once we've made a choice, we're stuck. Because we get a lot of that when we're growing up, don't we? Well, you have to make your choices on your subjects and then you can't change and we have this almost we have to be in a certain we have to follow through with our choices if we don't even if we don't like them.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and I just think everything should be I'm very responsive as you can tell, and I and I want to respond to people as they as they need during their journey. And I think needs change situations change particularly when a mum's had a traumatic birth as well sometimes she's not ready to do all of that at the beginning and it's not the right time and actually they want to re-lactate or or induce lactation later on and it used to be thought that if you didn't do that within the first few days that you can't do that and now of course it's it's all i say of course i because i see this Um, but, you know, months later I've had mums come to me and say that they want to um, re-lactate or, or induce lactation. And actually, if we think about the female body, any, um, any female can actually produce milk, even if they've not had a baby, uh, they can produce milk. So, if we think about that, then we think, actually, this mum could produce milk later down the line if she feels that's the time that she wants to do that and she's ready to do that at that time so I've supported mums to do that and I think it, yes it's about being realistic that it's not not as easy and not as likely to get full production maybe as, as baby gets older and older but it's not to say it's not possible and again the best way to go and approach that is being by relaxed being relaxed and enjoying mm. baby just being together is is the most important part of that start on that journey
0: so can you tell me a little bit more about what exactly your role is and you've talked about some of the people or situations that you've offered support in but when do you start where where at what point in this journey do you come in and what do you offer to do you just work with the woman do you work with both partners, how does it work?
1: So it, again, it all depends on what the family need. It might be. Um, uh, it might be. Sometimes I'll have a grandmother approach me, and she'll say to me, "My daughter's going to be giving birth so and so day. I would really like to gift her um, an antenatal package." So I sometimes have that happen, and I'll be able to give them all the information they need to get things off to a good start. More often. Um, people don't realise the the benefits of that and they come to me later on when things are already difficult so my majority of my work actually is um, supporting to overcome challenges and difficulties so things like sore nipples, um, tongue tie, uh, mastitis um, uh, and over the lockdown and over the past couple of years a lot of mums have been coming to me with um, what what we've together realised is, is stress and anxiety and isolation really because of not being able to get out at all even to any groups because of course you get a lot of support from groups um, and being with baby 24 hours a day, 7 days a week and not really seeing anyone else or doing anything else so I was seeing a lot more um, anxiety and stress and also um, not being able to, to know what normal baby behaviour is like and to sort of realise that that was normal for baby to be needing to be with them all the time, to be feeding so frequently, Um, the normal sort of baby behaviour. So that has been a lot of my work over the past couple of years, actually. It's been a lot of focus on um, normalising baby behaviour, I think, really, and helping, helping to understand that. And yeah, that's been a lot of my work. But generally, it's usually sore nipples Tongue ties um, uh, and I don't do, I don't actually um, cut tongue ties or anything but you know there are practitioners who do um, that I, you know I can direct to um, and slow weight gain so milk production issues or perhaps a traumatic birth that's led to um, delays in being able to feed baby things like that a whole range of things really. <laughs> whole range of things but those are sort of main main things and sometimes a perceived lack of supply as well that mum feels that you know baby's not getting enough milk and actually I can just reassure her within seconds looking at baby that actually you're doing absolutely fine
0: but that's interesting about that how this has all changed through lockdown and again I guess it's the contrast of how we used to live—the sort of hunter-gatherer, where all the females would be around, and we'd see mm. our sisters, aunts, cousins having babies, and we'd know, oh, babies just do that. Yes. Babies want to feed that often, or they want mum there that much. That they're, they're tied to mum or whatever. We, they probably don't look at it like that way in that way, but we we are so separated from that that we don't know those norms anymore and we have all these anxieties and particularly I'm sure for those who've never had a baby before it's their first child that you just don't know what to expect and even if you've read the books or whatever babies haven't read the books so they're not necessarily doing what we think they should but then there is no should is there I'm sure Mm. that you see variety a lot of variety within the different people that you support
1: yeah absolutely and I think what I've come to realize over the years is that I think we work a lot in conflict with what nature really wants us to do and what our bodies want us to do instinctively we want to do and need to do and I think a lot of the problems do come from interventions But also society being too rigid over, you've got to do this, you've got to do that, you've got to get out, you've got to go to work, you've got to do this, you've got to do that. And actually all that your body wants to do and your baby wants to do is just be together, you know, and be working on that sort of building that relationship. Because I think some, I think a lot of people also think that you're going to have like instant bonding. And actually, it doesn't always work like that. It doesn't often work like that. You're actually going to build a relationship because you're going to get to know each other. You've just met each other. You know, you'll be getting to know baby in utero. And, and, you know, and again, I can support to help to do that. But you've got to continue that journey when baby's out. And, you know, they call it sort of like the third trimester. So thinking about how baby actually is an extension of you and baby's habitat, baby's world is you. So when they're on your chest and they're with you in skin to skin and you're taking them perhaps in a sling or whatever you're doing, they are in their habitat, that is their world, that is their environment and they don't know about, I've got to get out to this appointment at three (laughs) o'clock, they don't know about those things and you know, that's where I think a lot of the the things come from is a conflict with, with us and our modern world as well.
0: Absolutely. And I think in a lot of things, expectations that people, the world place on us or that we've internalised and then all the shoulds and have tos and musts that we try to live up to those expectations. When, as you say, but the body is probably just going, no, no, all I want to do is stay at home, be with my baby, certainly in the early days, because you're probably exhausted, maybe very sore and struggling to... Find your feet with this new hole, you know, somebody new has come into your life and everything's turned upside down and changed. And you're trying to find how it all fits together again. So when we have these pressures that we feel on ourselves, it doesn't help with the stress levels, does it? And it's then making everything even more difficult. Whereas if we could just listen. To ourselves and just stop and just allow and just let it settle and I say this for people when they're not well you know they've been through an operation or an illness listen to your body if your body's saying stop and mm-hmm. rest saying that for a reason but we've lost our ability sometimes to, to give ourselves that permission but then also there are situations financial or whatever where we feel extra pressure we don't feel that we mm-hmm. can have that time of of pause that just to stop
1: and i think you know we i know i i sort of think this and and you sort of think this is the only way of living and this is the only the only way because of where we live but Mm -hmm. if you look at other countries and other places they have better breastfeeding rates than us and if you look at the structure of their system and how they are supported to stay at home um it, it does make a difference, you know? So I think people also in other cultures, other societies, other, other other countries do still have that extended family close by. And again, they're seeing those examples of what normal baby behavior mm-hmm. is like. When they come across a problem, I'm feeling engorged, I'm feeling full, I'm getting a blocked duct, what do I do? Your family member probably knows what to do. You don't have a professional coming along to tell you. Um, you have a family member who is there at two in the morning when something happens and you need somebody. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And that's so important. It's great to know that there are people like yourself out there, which is one of the reasons that I wanted to invite you along today so that people can see, ah, this is available. This is where I can get that information in order to make an informed choice. But I think that's also an important point you raised there about other countries, other cultures, and there are other European countries or countries very close to us. They're not necessarily the uh, hunter-gatherer communities that I was talking about, but other closer uh, and similar cultures to ours where it might benefit us, even as individuals, just to see I wonder how they do it in Sweden, in Germany, in France. Just to see what are the differences and what things might I like to adopt from their cultures, even if I can't change the system. But what Mm -hmm. might work for me, even just to try, and then, yes, it works, or no, it doesn't, or it did a little bit so I can just tweak it. But just Mm. getting that information... And getting that freedom to explore rather than think I'm stuck with this one way, I think that's so valuable in so many areas of our lives, to to not be rigid, to, mm. to know that we can colour outside of the lines and explore what works for us as an individual.
1: Absolutely. And I think that's the important thing about my, my journey is that Yes, I'm a nurse. Yes, I've, I've, you know, trained as a lactation consultant. It takes years to do that, and there aren't that many of us in the UK. Um, it is an international, you know, um, qualification. So there are lactation consultants all over the world. So it's a global kind of thing. But at the same time, um, I'm a mum, so I know what it's really like <laughs> as well. So you know, it's really helpful that I have some information like yeah. that. But having said that, before I was a mum. I think, I think I have got that intuition that is needed to work with families because people would often say to me before I was a mum, they would say to me, how are your children? And I said, I haven't got any. And I think because I was very intuitive to be able to help people make their own sort of journeys, their own, own decisions, because I do believe that people do know what they want to do and do know what is best for them and do know what is possible within, Their own, you know, organization of what their lives are and what they need to work around. I think people do know, and it's having somebody who allows them space to think and be able to process and say, yep, you know, that's okay. Because sometimes I will have mums who say to me, "Um, what shall I do? And they want me to make their their decisions and their plans. And I say, I'm not going to do that, (laughs) I'm going to help you to do that but I'm not going to do that for you because it's not my journey, you know? Um, So I think, yeah, I think my sort of holistic nature is what is really helpful. And I think that's how um, I sort of really emulate with all the other lactation consultants is because that's how our ethos is to work with the family to find the best journey for them.
0: And I think that's so important, obviously, when you've had your own child, you have something in common, you have an empathy with the whole birthing process and the breastfeeding process. But at the same time, even without that, it's not your decision. All you're there to do is to tell people their options to support them and hold the space for them as they figure out for me and my situation and my baby and our relationship, yeah, what is the best thing for us. Absolutely, I think that's huge. And yeah. I, I love that it's not about going in and I'll tell you what to do. So you do X, Y, Z and that's that's it. I love that what you're doing is just, I'll give you this information we'll look through it and you get to make the choice so that they're not dependent on you but at the same time they're learning and growing and and developing and with the baby as well you know that whole relationship is growing and developing because they have your support
1: yeah absolutely and I want them to make the decisions that are right for them but also to be able to be empowered and build their confidence to make decisions in the future mm. because I'm not there all the time to help exactly. them with that 24 hours a day mm. seven days a week I mean, I'm here but there are going to be moments where I want them to build their their empowerment I want them to build their confidence in themselves and to be able to hear and listen to themselves um, and that's what I want yeah
0: and that's what I love so can you tell us a little bit you've touched on some of them but what are the common issues maybe that someone might experience in case there's, again, anybody watching, listening to this who's wondering, is this normal or what can I do about this? Do other mums experience this? What sort of things do you see?
1: So I think, um, like I said, over the the lockdown, I saw an increased amount of mums that were... Um, concerned about their baby crying a lot and making a lot of um, noises as well that they weren't used to and I would hear the noises and I would say that's completely normal, that's okay, that's fine (laughs) Um, but also I think, you know again, that support network around you is really important and whoever that is because that baby also needs to feel secure in their environment So they need to feel that even if mum and and partner or dad, whoever, doesn't know what to do, they are trying and Mm. they're they're sort of working with that baby, they're reassuring them because that baby will get to know that actually, even though they're little, they get to know you're trying to help them even though you don't know what what is wrong or what to do. Mm. So you might go through the basics of, right, I'm going to change their nappy, I'm going to feed them, are they tired, are they this, are they that, and actually, then you'll go back to the beginning again. I, I see it a bit like um, my first aid training when I did that years ago, uh, where you do A B C D E thing, and you're going around. And then what do you do when you get to the end and you still haven't found the solution? Well, actually, you start at the top again, and you will find you will find that that mm. sort of solution. But also, just to understand that babies um, don't have the um, the the sort of brain mechanisms and the brain wiring to do things on purpose or to um or to control their crying you know there's sometimes they're communicating but I think we always want to fix things we always want to make things better we don't want baby to cry we don't want them to make noises we want them to be sleeping nicely and and just content but actually they're in a big wide new world and it is you know really really different for them out there and I think the best you know thing to do really is try and go with the flow as much as they can and understand that you don't have to solve all all problems as in you will you will find those things out together and it's about the journey but I think and I I understand myself that that's hard you know that you want to be able to solve all problems and you want your baby not to um cry and things like that but actually it's all normal things that baby's going to be doing they are going to communicate Um, and often the best way to soothe the baby is to breastfeed them um, and just to soothe them because again the breast milk is not just about milk it's about the comfort it's about the closeness about the skin to skin and i always say if in doubt go back to skin to skin Um, that is your absolute (laughs) go-to thing whenever in doubt go to skin to skin whether um, breastfeeding
0: or not, just yeah, just exactly. that holding exactly. and creating that circle of protection and care and and coaching, as we would call yeah. it in Wales, yeah. that coach yeah. for the baby, because that'll help to reassure mum, dad. It'll also also help to reassure a baby. And yeah. like you were saying about the moms obviously don't want their child to be uncomfortable or in pain. But at the same time, that is part of how we explore the world almost, isn't it? We, we find a, a sensation that it's, it's new and it's a little bit, ooh, what is that? Yeah. And it may just be kind of novelty of something that I'm not sure. And if mum goes, oh, that's fine. It's, it's nothing to worry about. Baby will go, oh, okay then. Because baby gets their message about whether it's good, bad, safe, not safe from the parents, don't
1: they? Absolutely, and I think one of another one of the main things I get is um, babies with colic and reflux as well. And again, it's normalising that actually that baby Mm. is still developing. And if we look at sort of anthropology and and sort of um, you know different sciences, you will see that actually baby is not fully developed. So their brain is developing outside of continue to develop outside of utero. So is their gastric system. So their stomach is, is still developing um, and the little flap that holds things down, it's not that strong yet, you know, so you're going to have a little bit of reflux, you're going to have a bit of discomfort, but also with the stomach, you know, when babies um, get ready to poo and they'll start to make a noise and, and squirm about. And, and obviously, families are really worried about that and say, oh my gosh, are they okay? And, and they're really worried about that. But actually, like you said, it's something really new to feel for that baby. They didn't do that in yeah. utero. So it's like, oh my gosh, what is this is this something I should be worried yeah. about? And then the family is saying, no, no, it's fine. You're okay. You're okay. You're okay. And no. then they start. What to is the like sensation say, in my middle? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. So it's. It's a bit like being an a you know an alien, isn't it, or something? You know, you're coming into the world and it's all absolutely brand new, and you just need that reassurance. That actually, it's okay, it's gonna be okay. But again, things have to be repeated. So it's gonna take a number of times um for baby to be reassured by something, but also for their system to develop as well. So their system will mature, it will develop, they will get bigger, things will strengthen. But that all takes time and i think that's the other thing is to allow time as well you know that, that things do pass by you know they're, they're not forever um you can tend to feel like those first six weeks are forever <laughs> they're quite you know <laughs> quite a journey but they really don't they, they will pass. it is a really steep learning curve yeah and, and I, I, think think things, hmm, I think those are
0: two things i think
1: those are two things as adults
0: that we struggle with for ourselves allowing of discomfort and allowing time. So it's, I guess, maybe even feels double when you have a new baby because you're feeling your own anxiety, discomfort. How long is this going to go on for? And so is baby. And you're feeling theirs both empathetically but also concern for them on top of your own kind of concerns. So it, it's it's a real challenge. So again, wonderful that there, there is a service like yours that people can draw on. That's so reassuring, because again, that le- links back into the relaxation, it's all okay. This is normal. And if it isn't, oh, okay, right now, I can see there's something that we need to address. And I've got somebody who can support me through that process and, and know what to do.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that's that's where working with other professionals who do other things. are really important as well because there are lots of other professionals who work in other specialist fields. That is really important that I, um, I've always been very keen on making sure I've got a really good network of people that I know that of the different specialist aspects so that... Um, I'm able to experience what they do as well. So I will shadow them, I will find out what they do. So I can understand whether this is something I really want people to know about. You know, that quality assurance as well. I want to know for myself, is this a good thing? Um, So I will, you know, investigate things like that before I, you know, um, work with, with other professionals as well in other specialist fields. But I'm very keen that we do all have our specialist areas. And you know you will you will be the expert in those areas. But the most expert person is the mum and the family. <laughs> they they, yeah. they are the most expert person. And in most cases, if um, if I'm listening to the mum, I will hear and see what needs to be done from from them. Mm. You know they will be able to to tell me that. From me just listening, listening is is the most important thing I do.
0: And again, that's another message that I'd really like anybody who's watching, listening to this to take on board. It's something that I share with the people I work with as well. You are your own expert. It's your life. It's your body, your baby here in this instance. So trust that. Obviously, yes, get information, explore and try different things. But at the end of the day, your life, your body, your baby, you are the expert. You're the one who's in it. Twenty-four-seven. So, listen to your own intuition and let that guide you. I think that's a, a hugely important message.
1: I think something else I'd like to say as well is to is just to say that you know you can breastfeed as long as you like. So there is no upper limit sort of thing. You know you can carry on breastfeeding as long as you like, as long as you and baby are happy. Um, and and having said that, you know I'm supporting more and more older um babies continuing to feed over the past few years now i noticed that sort of happening more so um and sort of going back to work introducing solids um and older babies older children toddlers um, continuing to feed so i think it's really important that people do realize that that you know um, you can come at any time for support it's not just for babies Um, it's for older you know children as well that that are continuing to feed Um, and it's quite a juggling act sometimes when you're introducing solids and breastfeeding you know which do you do first what do you do and that's a whole nother other topic to go on really but um, yeah so it's not just about those sort of early days and weeks and months but going forward as well
0: Hmm. so just lastly if you were to give one piece of advice To anyone who's listening, who's either breastfeeding, considering breastfeeding, going on this journey, what would it be?
1: I have to say my top top things are listening to your instincts, (laughs) because you'll always know what you want, what is best for you, you will always know, but sometimes it just helps for someone else to help draw that out of you, also empower you to understand that that's okay to follow your instincts. I think that would be my, my top thing really. that is skin to
0: skin when the baby's there. I had a feeling it would be we something around it. that.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: And just for anybody also who's listening, watching, if that is a struggle for you, then just explore ways that you can start to connect in with that instinct and to put little bits in practice as you start to listen and heal. Think that, try it, play with it. Be easy with it so that you can start to develop that, I call it a vocabulary, a body vocabulary. So how does your body show you what it is that it knows is best for you? Because it is your expert. It is your inner compass and your guide as to what is going to best support your well-being. And in this instance, your the well-being of yourself and your baby. So don't feel that you have to get it all right all in one go yeah. if it's not something that you're used to take it step by step and maybe reach out to somebody like emma so for anybody who would like to contact you emma what is the best way to get in touch
1: often people find me on the international um lactation consortium of great britain um website that is where most people find me um I do advertise on various means and things like that but actually I think just about everybody that I ask, how did you find out about me was either personally recommended or they found me on the official list of lactation consultants of Great Britain and there you can find your own local lady as well so it might be your own local person who is um, nearer to you but also sometimes people will come to me and I will say to them I actually know somebody who is more local to you and I will be able to direct you to them as well. So we do work as a network really well across, you know, across the UK and beyond um, like that as well. So yeah, so I, I would say that's probably the best way to find my contact details generically for this, this recorded video then that you'll, you'll put on the the, the group um, will be to look on the Lactation Consultants of Great Britain website and um, look up the IBCLC so international board certified lactation consultant
0: and is there just out of interest a good spread you said there aren't very many of
1: yeah you, um,
0: you in your role
1: yes there so in some areas there are more say example perhaps london where it's a denser population and things like that um, where I am, um, sort of Herefordshire, I'm, I'm in, in between sort of Herefordshire and, and South Wales really where I am, there is not any lactation consultants for quite a few miles. So um, I do connect sort of far and wide with them all over the UK, but there are not so many in some some of the areas than others. So yeah, so you may have to connect um, and we will always put you in connection with you know, your nearest person. And we will always find a way of either seeing you in person or video call or whatever is going to be suitable for you, really.
0: That's wonderful. So thank you again for joining me, Emma. Thank you for all the really good information that you've shared. And please, if anybody is watching or listening to this and thinking, I can do with an Emma, get in touch. And I'll share the links that Emma has mentioned in both the... uh, podcast version of this, the YouTube version of this and on the group. So thank you all very much for watching. If you have any questions, either watching this now and something comes to mind or watching the replay, stick in hashtag replay and just ask your question and I'll make sure that it's passed on to Emma and we get back to you with an answer. Uh, so Thank you again, Emma. Thank you for watching. And I will let you know next time we have a guest coming on live on the group. Bye-bye for now. Have a great weekend. Bye.